if I had to give a title to this Sunday, I would probably call it, based on the lectionary, It's Not Fair Sunday, right? Because that is the theme of the readings today. Beginning with Jonah, which Diane captured so beautifully. Thank you for your work on that. You see, Jonah is sort of like the original ancient situation comedy. Jonah is a sort of satirical depiction of a prophet, an ancient prophet. And many of you will know the story about Jonah being swallowed by the whale, right? Jonah and the whale, it's actually a fish, but you know, go figure, doesn't matter. The story is that Jonah is sent by God to Nineveh. And Jonah comes from a Bedouin society that has deep suspicion of cities in general. And Nineveh is sort of the mythic great city of the world in his time. And he is sent there by God not to bring a curse upon the city, but to tell them, to invite them to repent, to change their ways. And Jonah's initial response is, forget it. I'm not going there. And he heads in the exact opposite direction. He ends up getting into a boat. Those of you who remember the story will remember that God sends a storm on the boat. And as he and the sailors are all in the midst of this great unfolding calamity, Jonah confesses that he is the problem. And so he gets tossed into the drink and gets swallowed by a fish. And in the belly of the fish, he says a prayer and repents. And three days later, the fish spits him out onto the dry earth, and Jonah makes his way to Nineveh. And in sort of the great ancient story, Jonah spends days and days walking through this great city so he can meet the king, and he meets the king, and he says, God has called me to tell you to repent, and the king repents. And then the people repent. And Jonah, who has had this great big build-up to this event, which he hopes will end sort of like, you know, one of those teenage video games where the whole world blows up, goes and sits on a hill and looks out at the city, and God has spared the city from disaster. And Jonah is just frustrated out of his board. And God comes to him and says, Basically, do you have a right to be angry? Jonah says, basically, yeah, angry enough to die. It's like that scene in Faulty Towers, if you remember that classic British comedy, Thank you, God! Thank you so bloody much! You know? I didn't sign up for this. And what makes it even funnier is the conclusion of that reading today where, where God sort of pokes fun and says, you know, should I not have spared this city where most of the people don't know their right hand from their left hand? In other words, they're crazy stupid. And there are lots of animals too. Don't I have the right to do this? God asks. Likewise, today's gospel reading is enough to make your headache too, right? Any of you who have been managers or run a business or been employed or been in labor, it doesn't matter. 
it turns your whole world upside down a little bit. It's like, where are the labor laws here? Is this landowner a good business person or a bad business person? Is he being shady and unscrupulous or is he being generous or is he just nuts? You know, we don't have to be 21st century capitalists to realize that the story is fundamentally unfair and flawed. You're supposed to pay everyone something fair for their work, right? And how many hours they worked and calculate the amount that they've invested in terms of time and energy into the company and so on and so forth. And here's the landowner paying the same wage to somebody who came and worked only for an hour to the people who have been there in the heat of the day and in the midst of the battle of keeping the business up and running. It makes no sense and it's damned unfair. Completely unfair. Jesus tells this parable right after he has given the disciples another very famous teaching involving camels and eyes of needles. You remember that one? It's vivid, isn't it? Even though we're kind of mystified by the imagery because we don't have a lot of camels around and we're not sure what he means by eyes of needles. But Jesus has just told the disciples that it is more difficult for the wealthy to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is for the camel to go through the eye of the needle. What he means by that image is that in ancient cities, when the gate was closed at night, there was a side door called the eye of the needle. And it was a very small door. And the only way you could get through it is if you shed all your belongings. You let go of all your baggage. Or if you had a small camel, I guess, and wanted to get it through, you'd have to take all the pack bags off the camel. The image is apt. The stuff that we carry and possess, whether it's metaphorical or physical, gets in the way when we're trying to get in, especially when the door is shut and we have to go in through the side entrance. But the disciples don't understand. And who can blame them? They believe, as we believe in our own way, that there is favor for the wealthy. That we might not say they've been favored by God, at least we say they've been favored by good fortune and luck. And yet Jesus says it's hard for them, for us really, all of us, who live here and now in this time and place, to get into the kingdom of heaven. And the disciples are so befuddled by this, they ask Jesus, who then can be saved? You know, if those who are clearly favored by God cannot be saved, who can? Jesus says what is impossible for human beings is possible for God. And then he tells them today's parable, reminding them that the last shall be first and the first shall be last. In 16th century Japan, a wise man by the name of Rikyu took up Japanese tea ceremony and reinvented it. Tea had been in Japan since at least the 9th century, so there was a long established tradition of tea ceremony and it was normally practiced by the nobility, by the higher-ups, by the wealthy and the elite. 
Rikyo moved the tea house out of the great palaces and the beautiful stately homes and into a little thatched hut to the side. The entrance to the tea house was a door not two and a half feet square. So that when people came and entered the tea house, they all had to do the same thing. If you were a samurai, you had to set aside your sword. That's a big deal. If you were a noble, you had to bow down and then crawl to enter the space. And you entered the space not to be served with the finest silver, but with very simple utensils that the commoners might have used, made of wood, bamboo, average things. It was, from Rikyu's perspective, the great leveler in a highly stratified and very complicated society. Everyone had to become the same in order to engage the practice of tea. That is an image that I think Jesus would understand. And it's what he's getting at in today's gospel. It's not condemnation for the wealthy, nor is it bread for the poor. Although those things might be necessary at times, that's not what Jesus is ultimately after. He is ultimately after the recognition that in God's eyes, in God's radical grace, we are all loved equally, whether we showed up early or late, whether we have been laboring in the vineyard for years and years and years, or whether we just started yesterday. Consider what that does to our world, and how radical that is. It completely blows up all of our ideas about who's first and who's last, who's more important and who's less important, who is of value and who can be ignored. And you know what? We practice this every Sunday here. Consider all the different walks of lives you come from. Some of you have had very successful weeks. Some of you have had a very difficult week. Some of you have been here for a long time. Others of you have just started here. Some of you think you know the Christian journey well, and maybe rightly so. Some of you are still scratching your heads over what it means. And yet we all come forward for our daily bread for the broken bread and the shared cup. We receive the same portion. The first are last. The last are first. We all enter the same way. The same passage. We are all afforded the same grace. How does that alter your world? Your sense of right and wrong and relationship how might that affect your life? Jesus invites us to taste of that kingdom, 
a kingdom that is radically different from that of the Edomian kings who ruled Israel in his day, that of the Roman Empire which oversaw everything it seemed, and that even today of American politics and global economics. Jesus' kingdom is radically other, drawing the human family and all of creation back together. Would that we but taste it, see it, and share it. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.